OHL Hockey is back. This is the Farwell and Pope Podcast. Originating from the 570 News Studio in Kitchener. Here are your hosts, Mike Farwell and Chris Pope. Well, we said a couple weeks ago that the Farwell and Pope Podcast would be a bit of a, a band-aid type escapade throughout the month of March and that or May, pardon me, that is because uh, the Farwell for Hire campaign underway and I had to actually come to Finn McCool's along or in Kitchener, I don't know what road this is now. It's King Street. King Street, Old King, New King. It's King. It's King. Finn Finn McCool's on King Street (laughs) to actually grab Mike Farwell during the Farwell for Hire campaign in order to do this podcast. So let's start off with the theme of May. Mike, what are you doing here? Uh, This... Right now, it's funny because a lot of the things that have happened during the Farwell for Hire campaign this year, I mean, I've cleaned a lot of eaves troughs, including some for Guelph Storm fans. Shout out to the city of Guelph that hired me a couple of times this year after finding out more about the campaign. But I've been pretty lucky this year. There's been less manual labor, or at least as much event-type stuff as manual labor. And what we are doing tonight is what I would describe as event-type stuff. So Finn McCool's here in Kitchener on King Street out on the Sports World area is having a patio opening party. Sadly, the weather's a little bit under the weather. It's coolish for the patio, so most things are happening inside. But whatever, they're kicking in some money to cystic fibrosis, which is awesome of them. They've got some live music going on. And this was actually unplanned between you and I, but we're going back and forth on text messages trying to figure out when we could actually get together to record this podcast because I'm a jerk and I'm busy all month. And all of a sudden you show up here because there's beer, and here we are. Very fair. Uh, thanks a lot to Mark here at Finn McCool's for helping us out. Uh, a listener to the podcast as well. Pulling back the curtains, I said to Mike, I said, so how's Thursday work for you? Not good. How about Wednesday? Nope. <laughs> what about Tuesday? Nope. Well, I guess I'm coming to you then. <laughs> it seems that the Farwell for Hire campaign is alive and well, which is a good thing. It is a very good thing. We're pushing extremely hard for a goal of $150,000 this year. I'm just going to shamelessly plug because that's a big, big goal. And so if, you go to, if you're on Facebook at all, I know it's mostly for old people now or angry people. But if you're either old or angry, or maybe you're still on Facebook, uh, check out Farwell, the number four, higher. And there are a whole bunch of public events still happening right through June the 7th. And that's when we're going to end the campaign. So check it out. Maybe you want to come out, play some cards, come to a restaurant. There's lots of stuff going on. Channer's menswear. Shout out to Mark Channer hiring me. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you flat out. The dude offered me a four-hour shift as a contract clothing consultant at, are you ready for it, 300 bucks an hour. Now, understand that when I get paid, in air quotes, during this campaign, my payment is a donation to CF, but Mark Channer is paying me th- or donating $300 per hour to cystic fibrosis for me showing up at his store. So, yeah, but if you sell one suit, he makes twice that. And if, <laughs> hey, if you, if it's you, good clothing, it is. I've seen your suit, so that's why I know it is. And if I were to know that you were going to fit me for my suit, oh, you best bet I am betting a suit. You should come in. It's going to be on June the 6th. You should come in just to get fitted and then not buy. That'd be awesome. Firewall, fit me for a suit. <laughs> Check the end scene. Anyway, this is a family-appropriate podcast, and here we are at Finn McCool, so I appreciate you listening. Again, if you haven't put two and two together in the first four minutes or so, that's Farwell on Twitter at Farwell underscore OHL or during this month 
for Farwell for Hire at Farwell underscore WR, Waterloo Region. Uh, I am Chris Pope at underscore Chris Pope on Twitter. Real quick, when you go to either of those Twitters, OHL or WR, you'll find a pinned tweet with the link straight to the donation page. Shameless, I know, 150000 big goal. You can click there, and it's going to take you right, you can make a donation. Anything over 20 bucks, you get a charitable receipt. You love it. I'd give you a hard time for being shameless, but it is for a good cause, and it's only for one month. And when I say that, many people, frequent listeners to our podcast and our broadcast will say, he's always shameless. It's not just one month. <laughs> and yes, we both are. And that's okay. Drink Molson. So here we are <laughs> with a beer in hand and uh, an appropriate beer in hand because this, not only the OHL, the CHL season has come to a close with the Memorial Cup wrapping up in Halifax. Did it end, Mike, the way you expected? Let's toast to the season while we're at it. Well done. In fact, no, it didn't. I think that the league got the championship it would have wanted in its heart of hearts. If you're playing in a Q city and you get the Q champs versus the host exactly the way the Q final played out, from a an attendance standpoint, that's pretty much the most you could ask for. But I didn't think... Ruan Naranda would win. But then again, as I look back on these playoffs, what the hell did I get right? I mean, I was so off on pretty much everything. I Don't take anything I say as gospel ever because I, I miscalculated everything. I thought Guelph would have gone to the final, and when it was Ruan Naranda and Halifax, I thought the hosts have got this, avenging their QMJHL final loss. And lo and behold, the Huskies are Memorial Cup champions. I think it is very fitting that the top-ranked team in the CHL Top 10 standings all year long, essentially, uh, goes on to win the Q, and in the Q's 50th anniversary year, ends up winning the Memorial Cup. But we talked in our last podcast about, and I said, and I apologize to Gulf Storm fans, because I gave you, the as you called it, Mike, the kiss of death. You did. I said that Gulf Storm will win the Memorial Cup, and I have been wrong all playoffs. <laughs> Uh, with the exception of calling anybody but London coming out of the West and Ottawa coming out of the East, I have been incorrect. And Guelph, you know, stick tap to them. That was an unbelievable season and one in come playoff time that we will talk about forever. Like forever. Down 3 Cobb to London, 3-1 to Saginaw, 2 nothing to the best team in the Ontario Hockey League, the Ottawa 67s, and to come back and win in each series is something you just shake your head at and you go what and it was a very special group built by George Burnett um, but they they did it the hard way a lot of people expected them to be there if you look on paper that's a team that should have been there but talk about a coming out party for a team that we saw shortly after the trade deadline and I called them the most electric player on the ice at that time Sean Dersey has a coming out party Leaf fans everywhere have to be shaking their head and be thinking, listen, Jake Muzzin's a great defenseman, but you traded this kid for him. Leafs tried to push Logren, and L.A. said, no, no, we want Dursey. And to Leaf fans, they didn't know much about him because he, he slept in the draft because he was so injury prone. If this kid can stay healthy, he is flat out a game changer. Yes, he's a small stature defenseman, you know, Height-wise, but he's he's pretty thick. He skates well, moves the puck, sees the game extremely well, and just so smart out there. I I, I think that 
Leaf fans out there could be watching him in an LA jersey in a couple years thinking, what did we do? So I got two words for that, but real quick, based on our prognostications and how poor they've been, we might just be the most honest people in the league right now or people that follow the league because I don't know anybody that saw any of this shaken down the way that it did. Do you know what I do like about it, though, is that people can tell we're not just reading other people's opinions and then echoing it. We're just coming up with stuff that we believe, whether it be right or wrong. So on the Jersey front, the thing that comes to my mind, Popper, the two words, Ryan Ellis. And I'll tell you, I don't know that I want to put Dursey in that class and try to... And comparisons are awful anyway, so let's just put that out there. But, and I'll be blunt, this is eight years ago, nine years ago, me, but watching Ryan Ellis tear up the Ontario Hockey League with the Windsor Spitfires was everything and then some for that championship team. And I thought, it's not going to translate to the pro game. And where's Ryan Ellis today? The pro game. Exactly. And doing just fine. Thank you very much. Farwell, you were wrong. So I would I would look at the Ryan Ellis example when you talk about Sean Dersey. Certainly small of stature, but electric, to use your word. Listen, I, I think you may be right. But then again, we may have just given Sean Dersey the kiss of death. There's every reason to believe, though, that especially in the NHL of today, the way the league is now constituted, very good chance of success for Sean Dersey. Here's what I say when I talk about a guy like Dursey. When we saw him in On Sound, he was good. He had some good players to play with. And yes, he went through his injury troubles. He was good, don't get me wrong. When he went to Guelph and he started playing with that, the high-caliber players that Guelph had, his game escalated. And I don't think it was those players bringing his game to the next level. It was Sean escalating his game to the next level and bringing him up to those other players like the Toropchenkos, like the Schnars, like the Radcliffe's. He, he he was perhaps the Guelph Storm's best player down the stretch, not named Nick Suzuki. And everybody knows who Nick Suzuki is. They expect Nick Suzuki to be Nick Suzuki after being part of the Max Pacioretty trade out of Vegas. And I, I just think, what a coming out party for a guy that deserved that break because he's had far too many breaks, the wrong kind, the injury kind, in his career. And I, it couldn't have happened to a better kid off the ice in dealing with him. I'm sure you've had the same experience that I have. He's been nothing but kind, extremely uh, uh, kind with his time. He's always coming up using your first name, saying hello. And we talked about, you know, what it takes to get to that next level. His conditioning and, and his off-ice work ethic, I've seen him without his shirt on. I know it's weird, but walking out of the room, he came up to do an interview without a shirt on. Dude is shredded, which that does, you know, obviously affect how you move on to the next level. As good as he was, the enduring image for me from this Memorial Cup and credit to our colleagues with Rogers Sportsnet for the camera shot after the semifinal loss for Guelph, Fedor Gordiev. Oh my goodness. And what really struck me about that is that Fedor Gordiev was one of the rentals, if you want to call him that, came over as part of the big transformation that George Burnett made with this Guelph team, and the kid was inconsolable. And so if you don't think it matters, if you don't think the wins and the losses are felt by these players, if you don't think a player can come over in early January and become a member of the team for whom he dons a jersey, think again, because Fedor Gordiev was every bit dejected following that loss and the cameras picked him up perfectly. I think the other thing that we have to talk about again here, Popper, and I know we talked about it on the last episode of the podcast, but 
now knowing what we know and that is the Guelph storm came up short again and I don't mean to to pound that home but 98 OHL championship no memorial cup 04 OHL championship no memorial cup 2014 OHL championship no memorial cup and here we are again and we talked about the kind of the, the method you would like to see your team use to build. We know the Guelph Storm have got probably two really tough years ahead. I know they pushed their chips all in and they got an OHL championship for it and they were one win away from at least competing for the national title, but they didn't get there. Does does it still come off to Guelph Storm fans as worth what they paid this year and will see the benefits of or the results of down the road, which it's going to be, it's going to be a, a ways back to this level for Guelph. I'll get to that in just a second because I don't want to leave it. Fedor Gordiev was once a Hamilton Bulldog, turned Flint Firebird. He had to watch his former team go to the Memorial Cup last year and lose. This year, he thinks, okay, you dealt me. Now I'm here, my time, and he falls short. I give, I, I can't. As, as great as the shot was or as bad as the shot was, I was watching it with an individual who said, stop showing these kids crying. I have no problem with it. That's what I love about this league. That's what I, as bad as that sounds, it's the commitment to each and every game. They know they only have some players one year, max four or five years, to win a championship, to go for it, to do it all. They're trying to, and they're trying to play for that, that contract at the next level. It's not the NHL. They're not guaranteed money. These players are playing for the love of the game, trying to make hockey their life. And that's what really I love about this game. You see it in each and every shift, the dejection when they lose. And and it really puts into perspective what this game means to those young men. And I like seeing that. It's a reminder to people that this isn't a league where, as, as great as it is to be a part of. It's not a league where they're guaranteed money and where they're just happy to be here. This is a league where they're going out each and every day, really putting it on the line. And it was tough to see those type of players like Fedor Gurdiv. And you look at Jack Hanley and Mackenzie Entwistle, whose season last year ended at the exact same point, one game away from a chance at the Memorial Cup, one game away from the final. And you could see the dejection in their face and just that whole, like, really, again, here we are again. It was tough to see, but it, I, it really exemplifies exactly what this league is about and, and what I love about it, really. Going back to that, I, answer, I ask you this to answer your question, whether it is worth it for Guelph Storm fans. Did they have a parade Monday? I don't even want to talk about it. Because, yes, they did. Yeah, but you know what? I, sorry, Guelph, did not like that decision one bit. What? You just lost. You basically had a parade for losing. I know you... I, I kind of get it, but there was just so much distance between winning the OHL championship and then the parade. I, I, I'm sorry. and I, I recognize that there wasn't another choice if you were to have a parade. Don't have the parade. Honest to goodness, don't have that parade. You, you just came back and had a loser's parade. Sorry, Guelph, you did. Wow. Yeah, I said it. Wow. I said it. So all those trips next year when we go to the Storm Games where everybody's so nice to Mike, you don't think that's going to be happening this year. That, what do you mean? Tell me I'm the only one that thinks that. You are the only one to think that. That Well, no, you're not. But I'm sure other people will. But what is the big problem? Who cares? They, they, they won the league. The Memorial Cup, in my, in my mind, honestly, in my mind, is added bonus. You won your league. 
you go to the Memorial Cup. That is a big enough thing in itself. You went to the Memorial Cup. Flag on the play. Okay. The Memorial Cup is no consolation prize. No, that's not what I'm saying. It's just an added bonus. No, you I... won your league. Okay. So when you win your league, here's what you do. This is this is the playbook for anybody that wins their league next year. Raise a f- banner. <laughs> At the beginning of the next season. That's your parade. You do not have a parade after you lost in the Memorial Cup. It's a loser's parade. And I don't mean to, I'm not calling the players losers. I'm not calling the team losers. I'm just saying you. the, the most recent event in your team's season <clears throat> was a loss. That's what you just had a parade for. I'm sorry. Again, recognizing your desire to celebrate the team and... There's nothing you can do about the way it works that you win the league and you have to go out to Halifax or you have to go wherever for the championship. But sorry, you don't you don't have prayed. You don't no, 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 no. Did the Boston Red Sox ever have a parade for winning the American League Championship? No. There you go. I case I, closed. I think throughout the season we have changed minds because normally that's something that I would complain about and you would be like, oh, sure you can. Yay, yay. No, <laughs> we have changed minds. But it, I have honestly no problem with it because you won the Ontario Hockey League and it is so hard to win this league and you don't have to look any further than the city we are sitting in on Finn McCool's patio on King Street here in Kitchener to see how hard it is to win this Ontario Hockey League. And you want to talk about raising banners? Yes, Raise your OHL champion banner because it is so difficult to do in the Ontario Hockey League. Look at Erie. Four straight 50-win seasons, only one OHL title. It's so hard to do nowadays. And you don't have to look any further than here in Kitchener. But they still raised a banner last year for what? Oh, no, not an OHL title. Oh, not a conference title? A divisional title. Why are you raising a banner? Well, because that's what you get. You get it? No. Well, then, then that's what I'm saying. You raise a banner for a divisional title, but you you say you just want to raise a banner for a conference title? Yes. That's oh my what, goodness. Well, okay. Or an so, OHL title, not even a conference title. Fine. So take me back to the last team that had a parade for winning their league. I have no problem with it. I have no problem that's with fine. it. Can... Every team should that wins their league. Okay. That, listen, I, I Prince I'm... Albert should go home and have a parade because those young men won the Western Hockey League, the Memorial Cup might be the second hardest trophy to win in sport besides the Schmaltz Cup. I was, I Shout out air. Yes! I love it. Absolutely. The back sh- to back in air. The Schmaltz Cup might be the hardest title because you have to win, I think, 35 different playoff <laughs> series. I might be wrong on my math there. I'm, that's sarcasm. I know I am, but it seems like forever. But still, it is an extremely difficult championship to win. And I think when you win your league alone... You deserve a parade. Those men have been through a lot. And you have to be at the right spot at the right time in order to do it. Just ask the greatest player to come through the OHL in the last 20 years, Connor McDavid. Let me let me say one more thing about this goofy parade. There were as many people on the flipping ice at the Sleeman Center after they won the OHL championship as attended the damn parade. You had a parade for losers. You're not a loser, but that's what you celebrated because that was the most recent event in your franchise's season. I'm sorry, raise the banner and bring everybody back onto the ice if you want. Stop it. They did it at 4 o'clock on a Monday. Why are you doing it then? 4 o'clock? People are still working. I get that you want kids and everyone to come out. Heck, have a school day 
game, essentially. Bring all the schools out, line the streets. Four o'clock on a Monday? Nobody wants to be out at a parade by then. Have it six o'clock at night. I know it's a little later. The sun stays out now. Have it at a good time. They buried them at four o'clock on a Monday. The mayor up in his office, look at all the people. There was like 20 of them. Why? Because they were still depressed from losing in the semifinals of the Memorial Cup. All right, so we obviously have difference of opinions on the parade over in the Royal City. Celebrate things. Love life. Absolutely. Don't live it out loud after you lose. I'm sorry. All right, Nancy. (laughs) Negative Nancy over here. It's our last podcast of the year, and you have to get all negative on us. I'm just kidding. Um, But you did have an interview this week that we're going to piece in here because obviously we can't do it because we are on the patio of Finn McCool's here on King & Kitchener. We're here because it's the Farwell for Hire campaign, and earlier in the month during the Farwell for Hire campaign, I had a chance to do a fundraiser alongside none other than Kitchener's own Lauren Gable. Back-to-back NCAA Division Women's Hockey titles. Played for Team Canada at the Worlds. And is going to be, mark my words... Is this the kiss of death again? I don't know. Oh, boy. Mark my words. Future Canadian Olympian. And I got a chance to catch up with the kid my uncle used to coach at a Farwell for Hire event earlier this month. Let's go back to the beginning, Lauren. What is it that first uh, inspired you to play hockey? Yeah, no, um, my parents obviously grew up uh, with a hockey background, and um, I stepped foot on the ice when I was first four years old, and I didn't like it, but um, uh, my dad said, let's go back out, and um, I loved it ever since, so that's kind of started when I was four years old. Is it true, is there any truth to the rumor that Jimmy Farwell was the best coach you ever had and he taught you everything you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, I loved him as a coach. Um, He knew a lot about hockey, he had a great knowledge, and, um, you know, he helped me every single day and made pointers and helped me get to where I am today. And um, obviously I think all the coaches that I've had, um, they've been great role models and supporters and mentors for me. So um, definitely thank all those coaches out there and obviously my parents. Full disclosure, Jimmy's my uncle. He's full of hot air, but he he insists that everything you've become is because of him. (laughs) Yeah, no, um, it was a great season playing on the Kraut team with him uh, as a coach. And, um, you know, he can have those bragging rights over you. But, uh, yeah, no, he's a great coach and even better person. So, How did it end up being that you end up at Clarkson University? What was that process like, you know, a kid from Kitchener getting uh, lured into the NCAA? Yeah, um, I had uh, over 20 schools looking at me and um, starting in grade 10 um, had my first offer first email from Ohio State and um, I was just going to take my time and look at all the schools and um, really dive deep into see uh, what programs they offered and um, everything that uh, would suit my needs and um, one thing that I was looking for was being close to home and Clarkson University as soon as I stepped on that campus. The coaches were so welcoming. The team was great, and um, it's close. It's only five hours away, so my parents could come travel every weekend for games. And, um, you know, it's just that atmosphere that when I stepped on that campus, it's um, I knew that's what I wanted to do and where I wanted to be. Can you put into perspective in any way what that's like as a 15-, 16-year-old young lady being, you know, 20 schools that are courting you to come and play for them. I mean, what's what's going through your mind as you receive all of these packages and offers? Yeah, for sure. It's definitely overwhelming. Um, never been through anything like that before. And um, obviously having support from my parents and, um, you know, other people in my life that um, kind of sort of helped me along the way and um, helped me figure out what I want to do and where 
I want to go. And um, being that young, um, looking at schools and obviously not being done high school yet, um, graduating and going into um, a bigger bigger opportunity and uh, having a great future is definitely something scary. But um, along the way, you have a lot of people that are supporting you and just stay positive, and it's it's great. So you're a kid at St. Mary's High School at the time, going through all of these offers. I'm sure your friends here in Kitchener were looking at universities or colleges, but not those in the United States by and large. Uh, what was that like with your friends and your peers, and, and how did they feel about what you were looking at? Yeah, for sure. Um, I kind of kept quiet a bit about it. Um, I didn't really announce that I was looking at schools really in the States or um, what they were offering, but um, my friends, like once I said that I committed to Clarks University, they were really happy for me and excited for what the future held and um i'm i'm excited that i chose clarkson and um i wouldn't trade anything in the world for being a golden knight so it was a great experience four consecutive trips to the frozen four tournament Uh, you and i were talking about that earlier what a wild tournament it is they love their hockey but uh what was the experience like at the frozen four yeah no um experiencing the first frozen four my freshman year was amazing um uh, just stepping foot on that red carpet before the first game. Um, we had all, all of our fans there cheering for us, our pep band. And, um, you know, just having that experience and getting so close to a national championship um, was amazing. And then um, my sophomore and junior year uh, winning that national championship was even better feeling. And um, I can't, I don't even have the words to describe it. It was so indescribable and um, something that I'll never forget and something that I'll cherish forever. And um, my senior year, obviously, the outcome was, wasn't what we wanted, but um, definitely amazing to make it to four consecutive frozen fours with my class and my team and coaching staff and um, something that I'll uh, I'll remember. I want to come back to those championships in just a second but you end up graduating Clarkson with uh, the most goals scored by any player in that program. Uh, Did you go in with any uh, ambitions like that to say I want to go after a record I want to accomplish this or that or did you just go out and play and see where it took you yeah no I just went out to play um, every single day I worked hard um, on and off the ice and uh, that obviously translates into games and um, helps you better yourself as a person and player um, but I just took it game by game and seeing where I could go I didn't really focus on points or anything um, if I scored it was it was great if I didn't I would look back and see what I could do better next game and um, just went from there. I got a chance to look at the rings that you have from those back-to-back championships that you have here with you today. That's some serious bling, first and foremost. But is one more special than the other? Can you can you pick a favorite, or is that like asking a parent to pick their favorite kid? <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I kind of like the second uh, ring better. It uh, has back-to-back on it, and it's more um, Clarkson fitting. It's uh, gold and has all the crystals and diamonds in it. So um, I think definitely the 2018 ring is my favorite. You have the chance to go to the NCAA, play hockey, that's first and foremost, but also the studies, of course, are a part of that. How difficult was the balance between the athletics and the schooling? Yeah, for sure. Uh, freshman year was definitely the hardest, obviously. Being away from home, um, being in a new atmosphere with different people, making new friends, and um, attending school at different hours of the day. There wasn't just like high school where you'd go and be there all day. You'd have to go home, go to class, go to the rink, and um, kind of like the schedule was spread out, so it was kind of hard um, adjusting uh, first semester, but after that, it was a breeze, and um, I definitely enjoyed it. And uh, School was challenging at some point, but um, made it through and graduated, so it was great. 
back-to-back NCAA championships and also the opportunity to put on the Team Canada jersey to play at the WIHS where you win a bronze. Uh, Can you compare one versus the other, an NCAA championship besides putting on the Maple Leaf? Honestly, putting on the Maple Leaf is an amazing feeling, Um, being a part of something that's so much bigger than yourself and um, representing your country is truly amazing. And um, I honestly don't think that both of those do compare. Um, They're different feelings. And um, winning a national championship, you're doing that with the team teammates, some of the teammates you've been with for two, three, four years. And um, same with the coaching staff. You've been with them for a while. And coming to a new team with the Team Canada and um, putting on a jersey, alongside some amazing players and um, players that I've looked up to since I was little um, is amazing but I don't think that they really compare with each other it's uh, definitely different when you think about those players you looked up to since you're little and then you're on the ice with them I mean did did you have one of those moments where like oh my gosh that's Natalie Spooner (laughs) (laughs) yeah for sure Um, actually my first uh, are the camp the on ice uh, scouting camp Um, it was in Saskatoon or no it was in um, British Columbia, I believe. I don't know, somewhere. Um, <laughs> somewhere. But um, we, um, I was actually roommates with her um, before we flew out to wherever we were going. And um, I was kind of nervous because, like, she, I definitely looked up to her as a role model. And um, I looked up to uh, Poulin, Mello, um, a lot of those players. And um, playing alongside of them and even, like, practicing or having a tryout with them, it was definitely amazing. And uh, it was kind of cool. Like, I'm playing against them or playing with them. And I looked up to them when I was little and obviously still learn from them to this day. So they're great role models. You talk about all these players. Places that you've been. Here's a kid from Kitchener. No offense, but uh, 21 years of age. Did you ever imagine where the game of hockey would take you? Honestly, no. Um, obviously, when I was a kid, I had dreams and goals, but um, I didn't know that it would take me this far. Um, it obviously takes a lot of hard work and dedication on and off the ice. And um, if you want to get to where you want to be in the end, you gotta put in that work. And if you don't, um, you'll probably come up short. But um, you know, I always had a dream of playing in the Olympics one day and hopefully in 2022 um, I can achieve that dream and goal and that'd be an amazing feeling. I was going to ask about that because 2022 isn't that far away and that would be the next and even 2026 for someone your age but I don't want to get too far ahead of it but uh, what do you do now to make yourself ready for that opportunity? Yeah um, you know just training off ice on ice throughout the summer throughout the seasons and um, staying uh, healthy obviously being proactive about injuries and um, you know kind of sort of elevating my game to the next level and pushing it farther than it is right now and I know that I have that next level in me and um, I'm excited to see where that goes. It's been interesting for me to watch these young girls come through this room where we are today having this event, asking you for your autograph and taking one of the pictures that you've signed for them and you get a chance to have a conversation with them. What does it feel like for you to be that kind of a role model for these young female hockey players? Yeah, it's an amazing feeling. Um, Like I had said, I had uh, role models growing up and, um, you know, I've been shy with those role models and some of the girls here are shy with me and um, it's just something that comes with the game. Um, You know, I want to try to grow the game as much as we can and um, with like the leagues discontinuing and stuff um, hopefully that will help in the future and grow for future generations to come but um, to see all these little girls and other fans coming in to support um, not only um, this great cause but um, to support everything in the hockey game like the game of hockey in general is truly amazing. 
when you are wherever you are, Lauren, uh, be it you know, playing in the NCAA, playing for Team Canada, uh, and I noticed when we were watching the highlight reel that uh, we have going in the background here, it says hometown Kitchener, Ontario. What does that mean for you? We're here in Kitchener, of course, this afternoon, and people come and rally around you, but uh, what is that feeling for you to be, I'm from Kitchener, Ontario, no matter where you go? Yeah, no, it feels great. Um, you know, having having uh, known that I have people rallying behind my back um, from my hometown and growing up playing hockey in my hometown was definitely amazing. And, um, you know, having those supporters and fans come out from Kitchener and, you know, from hours away um, is definitely amazing. And um, just to support me in um, cystic fibrosis is uh, definitely amazing. We're going to keep watching. Go get them in 2022, okay? Thank you. <laughs> I just want to say real quick, this is the final edition of the Farwell and Pope podcast, and there's been a lot of talk about the CHL, the OHL, the NHL, every kind of hockey throughout the year on our podcast. What the female hockey players are doing right now in trying to get equal rights, I absolutely love. Stand up for yourselves, require equal rights, get exactly what the men do, don't stop until you get what you want. I love it. If the National Hockey League doesn't step in and play some sort of role in all of this, that is a huge mistake. The league, the NHL should, and we should make the women's game viable. I will take the opposite standpoint, and the NHL should stay far away from this until they deal with whatever the hell, and pardon my language, I could have used something different, but whatever the hell is going on with Slava Voinov. Because if they're going to only give him a one-year suspension, allow him to come back halfway through the year for beating the crap out of his wife, and then support a women's league, they got something else to look at. But that's completely different. Yes, I believe that the, the women's league deserves the type of recognition the NHL brings, but the NHL has some own looking in the mirror of their own to do. So since this is our final podcast of the season, I've got three quick wishes from the Ontario Hockey League as we close off this season and get ready for next. You mean wishes to the Ontario Hockey League or just farwell wishes? Uh, wishes, yeah, wishes for the league. Okay. The first wish for the league is that it becomes far more transparent in 2019-2020. Just send out a tweet or a media release of some kind when things happen. Please consider, during your Board of Governors meetings this summer, tweaking the playoff format. Because I don't want to see 1 versus 8, 2 versus 7 in the same conference. I would like to see 1 versus 16, 2 versus 15, etc. And don't give me the same tired excuses about travel and school and all that bullshit, because that's what it is. And thing number three... I would like the commissioner of the Ontario Hockey League to please join this podcast next year because don't think I've forgotten that twice towards the end of this season we invited him and he was unable to join us. I will also have three comments on your three wishes. Number three, Mr. Branch. I love you, man. You're the best commissioner in sport in all my mind. If you, We have said numerous times during this podcast that it is the final Farwell and Pope podcast of this season. If you call us next week and you want to come on... There'll be another one? Guess what? <laughs> I lied. We'll put you on. If you want to call us in July, guess what? We'll put you on. You want to call us in August? Guess what? Bam! New edition. <laughs> September? Sure, Mr. Branch. We'll extend a olive branch. And we'll get you on again. That's how much we want you on this podcast, and we will get them on. We promise our listeners that. Number two, you mentioned the 1 through 16. I'm a proponent of that, although, again, I looked this year, and we would have had our OHL final 
in the first round this year. Eight versus nine. Or one versus eight. Pardon me, in the second round. It would have been Ottawa, Guelph in the second round. So I'm kind of tearing away from that. First one, again, Mr. Branch. I love you, man. (laughs) I love you. You may be the best commissioner in all of sport. Just send out a tweet. It's that simple. It's that simple. If there's people around this world that are live tweeting your games, you can send out a tweet on a suspension. It's pretty simple. Uh, My only wish is for Rangers fans, because I believe a large part of our listeners are Rangers fans, and I ask you, hold on to your hats, because the next couple months are going to be mighty interesting here in Rangers Nation. I'd hold on to your stomachs, too, because things might get a little bumpy. We'll see what happens. It's been a great season. I'm Farwell. And I'm Pope. And that is the Farwell and Pope podcast. For another season. This has been the Farwell and Pope podcast. Posted weekly. If you have questions, topics, or a story you would like to be covered, simply email mike at 570news.com. The Farwell and Pope podcast originates from the 570 News studio in Kitchener. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.